This is Mid-Missouri's Total Sports Station. KTGR, and it's time to get big. That was a big-time answer right there. You've got the big show with Andy and Brent serving up sports talk from Mizzou to the pros. And everything in between. Join us now on the KTGR hotline and sound off on today's biggest stories in sports. The big show starts now. You bet it does. Welcome into this Friday edition of The Big Show on ESPN 100.5 and 105.1 KTGR, your total sports station in Mid-Missouri. Thanks for tuning in online at KTGR.com and on the KTGR app. Sandy Humphrey here. Looking to get Brendan Schaefer here uh, soon. We'll get him uh, eventually. Don't worry. Producer Chris is here as well. 875-KTGR if you want to give us a call or a text. It's just, you know, technical issues sometimes. Three curveballs. And, you know, we try to hit him as well as we can. So we'll do our best here. But here's the thing. Uh, There's a lot to talk about today. Obviously, NFL Combine stuff's been happening all day. Uh, A couple or a few more Mizzou players. We know they're 40 times. Good ones from Chris Abrams-Drain and and, uh, I believe uh, Ennis Rakestraw, too. But we're going to get to uh, some combine talk, particularly with the conversation around the quarterbacks and maybe Jaden Daniels in particular, because, <clears throat> I mean, there are some folks out there, and Brendan's one of them, maybe you're one of them too, that believe Jaden Daniels should be picked number one overall instead of Caleb Williams. And I'm still trying to figure it out. But uh, give us your thoughts, 875-K-TGR. We'll get to that conversation at 5.05. There were some rule changes proposed today by the NCAA's uh, Rules Committee for college football. What are they thinking of uh, changing for 2024? It looks like they're going to make it look a little more like the NFL, especially with some of the timing rules that we're looking at that the Rules Committee is wanting to change. We'll get to that conversation in a few minutes. Some Cardinals talk at 425. They had some fun today at uh, at spring training, playing some golf. We'll get Brendan's thoughts on that at 425. We'll talk some Mizzou and Ole Miss, who you got at 530, and then our picks of the week at 545. 875-KTGR, if you want to call or text us, you can also tweet us at KTGR Big Show, and find us on Facebook, too, at facebook.com slash KTGR Big Show. Now, the Big Show's Big Deal. Yeah, for uh, for today's big deal, it's really Mizzou basketball trying to find a win on both sides, both men's and women's. Women's basketball lost their 10th straight yesterday. It was senior night for uh, four of Mizzou's uh, seniors, but uh, they were unable to send them out with a victory. As Vanderbilt won 68-61 to yesterday, and Robin Pinchton's group now 2-13 and in the SEC. That's dead last right now, and if they don't win on Sunday or if Georgia wins, all they have to do is just get one one win, and they'll be the 13th seed, and Mizzou will just be the 14th. So Mizzou's trying to avoid that fate as they're last in the SEC standings, and uh, they'll play at 1 o'clock on Sunday to finish out the regular season. Meanwhile, Mizzou men's basketball rally for Ryan game tomorrow. Always a great game, great event. Tigers need a win. They play Ole Miss at 7.30. That is the Big Show's big deal on this first day of March 2024. 875-KTGR if you want to call or text us here on the show. So uh, we'll get to some of the uh, thoughts about Mizzou basketball a little bit later on. We'll get some Cardinals thoughts uh, in about a half hour uh, from Brendan. But man, we got to start with these college football rule changes, I think. Because uh, this this was reported and I believe made official uh, a little bit later on today. 
and it's not official yet that they it's not fully approved yet i should say uh, the NCAA's oversight panel still has to meet over these rule changes and then give their rubber stamp, and that's going to come next month. So not officially official yet, but once you get past this step, you can't really expect that it's going to be shot down by the uh, by the oversight committee. But here are the rules that they're looking to change. First of all, well, you remember uh, the Michigan scandal, of course, the sign-stealing. Looks like that's going to be harder to do for teams to try and steal signs. They are going to give helmet communications to, I believe, a player on the field that would most likely be the quarterback and player coach communications via the headset to a helmet speaker on the field. That's going to happen apparently next year. So they're going to get that done, which is long overdue and just makes sense. Again, when you're talking about methods of sign stealing, whether you're using electronic methods or not, just fight technology with technology, and I I think you you have your solution. This was the very clear solution, and for Michigan or whoever else was doing sign stealing for, uh, for however long, and it wasn't really stopped by too many people until Michigan got stopped by it, then, uh, look, you, you stop it with this by... Having the helmet communication on the field, that way the quarterback can get the play call and relay it, and they have the same rule in the NFL to where it gets cut off once the play clock hits 15 seconds. So once you get to 15 seconds on the play clock, you can't. It quarterback can't hear the coaches anymore, and the coaches can't communicate onto the field. So you, you still have to have an expedited process on getting your play call out there. Be, be quick with it. And then once you get down to 15 on the play clock, there's uh, it, it gets cut off. So there's that rule change. There's another rule change to where you can uh, now have iPads on on the sidelines. You can use tablets to review film. You can uh, this might help with video review a little bit for teams, like deciding whether or not they want to challenge a play or or call timeout to try and get the officials to review it. College football, there aren't challenges, but you can use a timeout to ask the officials for a review but mainly for scouting and for adjustments things of that nature you can now use tablets on the side uh, great good have the tech again if you have the technology use it you're allowed to use it now in college football here's the one that people i there are some folks kind of sticking with this today guess what there's not going to be a two-minute warning in college football yeah that was part of the rule changes uh pre-approved today as well and should get fully approved next month by the oversight panel. So, two-minute warning in college football. What do you think, college football fans, Mizzou fans, 875-KTGR? Do you have strong feelings about there being a two-minute warning in uh, in the college game? You know, last year they they made the change to speed up the game by not stopping the clock after every single first down you only do it after the final or during the final 2 minutes of each half to try and speed up the game now you're adding this how do we feel about it i to be honest i don't think it will have much an effect on the actual time of the game like it it's just one extra timeout it as long as you have the the plays flowing the same ways that it did last year. I 
I thought it was a solid change. It wasn't all that noticeable, and I don't think this will be all that noticeable when it comes to the length of games. I mean, you are taking a, a slight step back, right, with stopping the game at a point where it wasn't stopped before. But the other thing is that at, this is going to be hard to get used to, right? I know the first time that I see it at a Mizzou game or whatever college football game I'm seeing in late August, early September, later on this year, I'll be like, wait a minute, why are they stopping to two minutes? What's happening here? Oh, two-minute warning now in college football? Oh, gosh, I had forgot about that. I don't know if it if it's going to give any teams an actual edge out there. I don't know if it's going to fit. It's definitely going to favor the offense. Whoever has the ball in that situation is going to now have more of a chance to, uh, or more of a propensity to drive down the field and get points, especially after the end of a half. And I think that's good. Like, let's give more of an incentive for these uh, these offensive teams to think more about, hey, let's let's trust our unit a little bit more to be aggressive here, try to get downfield and and get points at the end of a half. We are kind of helping it a little too much, though, right? Because there's there's already stoppages after every first down in the final two minutes of the half. So do you, do you really need this? It's still harder in the NFL to drive down the field late in a two-minute drill to try and get late points. So with this, I'm, it's making it almost easier in that sense. And it's really going to be tough on defenses too because now you're you're trying to count up all the timeouts that could be possible at the end of a half and at the end of a at the end of a game to where now it, it's especially if you're down four and it's late in the fourth quarter and you've got a chance to drive down the field with maybe just over two minutes two and a half minutes maybe then it's become even easier for a trailing team to drive down, to get more chances at explosive plays when they're trying to get it all back and make up that difference late in a contest. I, I wonder how, whether that's going to be pushed back by some coaches who know that hey, you know, we don't want to be in a situation like this where we're up and all of a sudden the team that is just on our heels at the very late stages of this game now has an advantage that they didn't before. Now, of course, you get to use it to your advantage if you're trailing in that situation. But it's it, it now sort of changes the calculus a little bit, right? Because you're talking about uh, adding an extra time. You don't have to call your last time out. Let's say you've only got one left. You don't have to save it for, you know, a lost situation. Maybe you get a sack outside of the two-minute warning, and you're just like, well, let's let's let it run down because we know we're going to have a stoppage at some point. Very interesting. Give us your thoughts. 875-KTGR here on the Big Show at 413 talking uh, college football rule changes. They're adding a two-minute warning. Or at least that was pre-approved today by the rules committee that you know goes through the process of 
figuring out which rules need to be tweaked, which ones can, you know, be pushed off maybe to a later year. But it looks like this year they're going to go with uh, look common sense thing. Put the put the comms in the helmets of the quarterback. Prevent sign stealing as much as possible. You know, you no no longer have the need for the big billboards on the sidelines. Which I mean, those were kind of cool. Those are kind of funny at times. But now we don't have to use those. You don't have to have the. <laughs> The acrobatic hand movements by the assistant coaches. They now have to, they unfurled those big blankets essentially to make sure that somebody in the press box wasn't stealing their signs or it was just easier for the quarterback to see with a black background and a guy trying to wave his arms. This means, you know, slant route. This means go route. Like, now you don't have to do any of that. So it's, it's now out the window. You don't have to worry about it. You can just communicate straight to the quarterback. Hey, relay this over to uh, to the rest of your team, and it it makes perfect sense. You gotta get that done. But the two minute warning's interesting. Eight seven five KTGR. Call or text us uh, with your thoughts. I believe we have Brendan now. So happy about that. Are we? Are we happy? How pleased are we about that? I mean, I thought you would at least it's like be 50, happy. 50. No, dude, I just can't. I, me and technology don't get along, and so I get a little grumpy when it doesn't work, and it's, it's nobody's fault. But I was like, "What the hell is going on?" Anyway, here I am. Hello, hi. Go. Two minute warning. What are we talking about? What's Two happening? minute warning now in college football. How is that real? About it? I mean, is that official? It's, it's about to be. the The rules committee approved it today. It now goes to like the oversight panel. They'll hmm. vote on it next month, but there's no reason to believe that they're going to say no. So it it looks like it's going to happen. What was their justification for it? Like I don't think I mind it. It'll be it'll take some getting used to. It like it depends. Is my team up by a possession or down by a possession? Well, that's I think uh, they, that's maybe uh, the sticking point. Right, for, that's for teams. That's the only time it, my opinion on the rule will change depending on the game situation of my favorite team. I think that's if you're honestly up four, good. I hate if it. Team win. If I'm down four, I love it. Bad yep. if team lose. You'd right. be good if team win, bad if team lose. That's exactly how I feel it's about just this. just basic math. That's how it goes. You know, I don't know. Um, it's kind of interesting to me. The first thought I would have is that I thought some of the rule changes they instituted last year, like the running clock, were to speed up the time of game. Yeah. This kind of goes in the other direction. Again, not that I care because college football, is. I've accepted it in my heart. That's going to be four hours long, and that's just the way the world is. And if you want to go to a game in person, it's going to take all day. Like that's, I think we're just accustomed to that at this point. So sure, add a two-minute warning to negate some of the changes you made to the time of the game experience and the duration last year. Well, I don't and know. again, Why not? It, it seems a lot easier now for a trailing team because you already have the clock stopping at the end of a, after a first down in the final two minutes still, and so now you add the two-minute warning to that. It, it it really does make it a lot easier on those teams that are trying to push towards the end of either a half or a game to get late points. It's It, it does kind of change a little bit of how opposing coaches will think about it. So, I don't know. It, it, it's going to either really help somebody out or really screw somebody over in a game, and I know it. Yeah, I'll tell you how I feel about it after Mizzou's season plays out, and if if it gets them an extra possession or an extra, 
play that they really needed, then I love it. If if Mizzou's trying to hold on for dear life in a game that another team is able to to bleed the clock and and score when I was just ready to see that clock hit triple zeros, then I'll think it's the worst rule that we've ever seen in sports. So that's really I'm okay with being like unapologetically biased about this. That's fine. I'll be upfront about that. I mean, again, it's it's going to look more and more like the NFL. That's right. maybe what people probably why people push back against it because they want college to be different. I yeah. Guess. Like, well, and they're going to have the same number of teams in the playoffs between the NFL exactly, and college. Right? Yeah. And it's going to be I'm like honestly, when it comes to talking about college football, that is still the overriding thing on my mind is the ridiculousness of the playoff format that they're trying to implement. It's got me really kind of sour about the whole thing, and I'll probably be over it by the time it becomes official and then, you know, life goes on. But to me, it's just stupid the way that they're, the way that they're trying to, to implement that. What if this is a one-or-two seed? No, it that's fine. Good. That's great, right? But I don't – I just don't like – Closing it up and saying these teams, these teams, this number of teams from this conference. What? It feels they're from the it, SEC and the Big Ten. No, they're not because you're giving the Big Twelve and the ACC an extra auto bid that they do not need. And I like conference championship games. And if you're the Big Twelve and the ACC, there will be no justification for having them anymore after that new system gets implemented because they're getting two AQs and nobody's going to want to kind of mess with the apple cart on a losing team from a conference championship game by virtue of that loss, suddenly dropping too low in the rankings and, and a team that didn't make it gets in instead. And that's the confer- those are the two conferences where that could happen, most likely because their conference champion will be the one AQ, and the second one, they only get two under this proposed new format, and so the second one will be the one that could be a team that, by virtue of not even having to play, leaps over a team that was qualified ahead of them prior to championship weekend. So they're going to say, yeah, no conference championship games, which I don't think is as good. I don't, this feels more like let's add importance to bowl games. I guess like a bowl games thing and then take away something that I think is cool and fun, like championship weekend. Yeah. I, I again, just want to see the 12 team first and then add to it. The 12 right? team was good. It took us however long to get to it. And it's going to be a good format. Yeah. And we're immediately trying to say, how can we kill that and have more bowl game sites getting there? I thought we were done with the era of college football of letting these stupid inanimate objects, bowl games, run things. It's ridiculous how much the the powers that be want to bend over backwards to have these stupid formats all at the end of the day decreasing the quality of the product. And just jumping through, well, how freaking convoluted is it going to be to go? Well, they're the second AQ from this conference, so they really need to. The rankings will be impossible to follow in terms of just a, a, a straight linear trajectory of who's in, who's out. It's going to be all this other stupid crap that is just going to bother me. I yeah, don't want I, it. I can't get over the the AQs part. If you even said like, okay, the the SEC and the Big Ten get two AQs, and the Big Twelve and the ACC get you know, one. I just. That's fine. It'd be uh, more at larges. Uh, I'd be fine for expansion just, if you if it meant more at large teams get in. Just let the free market basically decide. And in the end of the day, it's often going to be those teams from those same conferences, right? But if you're the SEC and the Big Ten, it 
You I, want I a just chance feel like to prove. You want a chance to prove that you can expand even past that, and I think the AQs does give kind of a, a cap to it. What the AQs exactly, Andy? What the AQs for Big Twelve and ACC can and probably will do, which maybe this is fine. Maybe that's what it takes to keep some semblance of the college football that we know intact rather than just having the super leagues of the SEC and the Big Ten split away. Maybe granting a second seat at the table to those other conferences is the way that it sort of stays intact. But, and if that's the only way to do it, then okay, I guess it'll be what it'll be. But I also don't like the idea of arbitrarily propping up these uh, effectively dead entities because I don't consider the ACC to be a living organism that without the being propped up by this second AQ thing would ever survive. I think in 10, 20 years, it would be a completely different thing. Maybe that's wrong because we just saw it happen to the PAC 12. But my thought now is like, well, we've gone this far. We've killed the historic conference with this greed. And so now you're, now you're going to pick the time to draw the line and say, we'll save the big 12 and the ACC and, 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 and prop those up to say that they're on par with the SEC or Big Ten are almost on par with those conferences when they're not. They're not two-thirds as good as the Big, the Big Ten and the SEC. They're not, and they're certainly not going to be as time goes on. But maybe adding AQs for those conferences and, and making them feel like they've got more of a seat at the table is what it'll take to kind of keep this whole entity intact in so much as we know it to be today. You seem to disagree, Chris. Yeah, a little bit. Why? I don't know. Why? This feels That's like okay. A, just tell me why. This I, just feels like an extra little power grab by like the SEC and the Big Ten to get like those extra little bye weeks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which which bye weeks? In the under the new format. Oh, you mean the the yeah so the, yeah because about. under the format, I guess they're saying that the SEC and Big Ten champ would get the buys would automatically get the one or the two. Yeah, pretty much, and that's really what we're operating under, right? Because I can see if you're like an Ohio State or like an Alabama. And you've you know you've got some state or like a Georgia or Michigan or something. You see like that first round by, and you get like immediate dollar signs well, in your eyes, right? But this is all this is all give and take between these conference leaders, right? This is all like okay, SEC, Big Ten, you can have those two buys, but we want more AQs. Like it, it's I don't like that trade off for the SEC and Big Ten. I don't why? Who cares? Because it's not valuable. They're going to be valuable. They're going to be the top two seeds that get the buys anyway, Chris. It's not valuable to say we want to have these buys when you're probably going to end up most years being in those slots it's anyway. It's a power grab thing. It doesn't have to make sense. It's uh, I want to, you know, put my foot down and beat but up I, on some other teams. It's fine. I think they should put their foot down and say the second best team in the ACC doesn't have any business being granted automatic entry into our tournament because in most years they won't. The Big 12 will have a chance because they've, they're, they're taking some of the Pac-12 teams that in some years those programs will be pretty good, and I think it'll end up kind of all washing out. But even then, I don't know that the second-best team in the Big 12 most years is going to hold a candle to the, the fourth-best team in the SEC. So I don't want to see they should any play those of those. Games and find out. They, and they very well are going to, but I don't like the, the formatting of it. I like I I'm not scared of anything. I also though like the idea of the more deserving teams on the rankings getting those home games, those home playoff games. But now that first round's going to be bowl games. Just wait, it's going to make no sense and they're going to continue to dilute the product of well, this great home, It's going to be home sites for the first It's already round. been diluted, man. 
I don't know for sure what it will be, Andy, because I don't think it's finalized yet in terms of what that's going to look like. I don't know if the bowl games are going to get involved in those I, first round. I games. saw a Yahoo. I saw a Yahoo mock up that that did not. I don't think agree with that, but I could yeah. be wrong. At any rate, I just think we're we're doing too much to try and legislate rules into what's already likely going to be the scenario. So why? go and bend over backward to see how many more manufactured controversies we can have, like the Florida State versus Alabama versus Texas thing that we just went through. I My whole thing with the 12-team playoff is there's going to be fewer opportunities for those. But now, no, there's going to be tons of opportunity for it because people are going to look at Team 3 versus Team 2 from the Big 12, Team 3 versus Team 2 from the ACC, and then if it's not that, they're mad that they weren't one of the three at-larges like it's it's a mess to me and too convoluted in order to like chris said basically have a a couple of entities get a power grab out of it that's not good for fans again we're not really caring about what college football fans at large care about and i never expect them to but it's disappointing to potentially see it happen in such an obvious and specific way once again right after we got to be excited about a thing in the 12 team playoff that maybe not universally considered good but I thought it was pretty darn six. good. No, I mean, six would have been whatever, but 12, I thought, had a chance for us to go, all right, finally something that makes a little bit of sense. And immediately they're taking it and going, how can we make it more convoluted so that nobody understands the rules and that nobody under Like, what are we doing? What so, are we doing? For me, it's like, at what point do you have the automatic cutoff of, right? all right, these teams in this new playoff format, this 12-team format, are just non-negotiable, not going to win the College Football National Championship, right? Like, I think the cutoff is probably around, like, Anywhere between like four to six, right? And I don't think season. that's true, actually. I think it's 100% true. I know. You thought it this year, but I still don't think that's exactly right. So I mean, if we had point, seen the 12-team playoff, it could have gone different. If it could have gone different, how would it have gone different? We don't know, Chris. They didn't play it. But I'm not just going to automatically say that Michigan would have wiped the floor with all those teams. I think they were that good enough. They, they were, good were very. They were a great team, and they won the national championship for a reason. But I, I cannot possibly sit here and say, on, well, that uh, the Georgia Bulldogs very well could have beaten Michigan. Well, that's another and thing. It's like, and that's, that's what I five, said. Like, but, like, yeah, anywhere between like one through six, it's like, all right, those are going to be your bets to maybe win a national championship. Most years, Everything else fine. down the line is just kind of just gravy on that. So I can see them being like, all right, you know what? We've already kind of established that, like, yeah, it doesn't really, we're not really doing it for like the... All right, who's actually going to win the national championship? So we might as well just keep. But on I mean, are you? But Chris, are you are you legislating this off of what we feel is true exactly. every year? Uh, like yeah. the, maybe that was just it's, it this year. It's panned out that way, but it for like fifteen years. But again, we can. We haven't we had the system that could the disprove data it. of whether yes. the tenth team has the ability in on the right. We can day, use common sense, man. Every once, I don't yeah, think that's but we, true. Uh, common sense, yes, you're right. They. You could expect five to six to have the demonstrably better than everybody else in the playoff field. Demonstrably, Great. we think, I, but we but think that there's no reason to know. not play We've it. We've seen we them don't. play for years. Man. I would like to be entertained it. by a team that's that lower too. than that having a chance. And they, and, they, and you might say it's a fake chance, but it until is a fake we chance. see, but you don't know that, man. You don't know that until they play these games. And a twelve-team playoff is at least a chance to play those games, and if in two years we see the similar thing play out after two years of having a 12-teamer, you want to make the case then, I'm okay with you going, yeah, that kind of looks like it. But right now, there's just no way that we could have that we could possibly do that. I think college football this year had 
and I'm not going to like list, but I think seven to eight to nine teams that were like really, really damn good. And on the right day, I'm not going to say that the University of Missouri couldn't have contended with some of those teams. They took Georgia to the end, and if Brady Cook doesn't throw it to a fat lineman in one, you know, ill-fated moment of a football game, they might beat Georgia in Athens, and they're on par with some of those teams in that moment. We don't make we don't make this case in college basketball when we get mad that you know most of the Cinderellas lose after the first couple games. It that's why we play. That's why you play those games. And I, I get your point. It may play out that way. But like Andy said, entertainment value is also very, very high to have. I'm not a few saying they don't rounds. like deserve the shot. I'm just saying, like, if you like go down the list, you can be at a certain point. It doesn't become like, all right, now everybody's getting a shot to win. It becomes more like, all right, we're just trying to get eyeballs on our product and to see what happens. And I feel like well, when you is go, that a bad thing though. I mean, are you saying that's I bad? I don't care. I don't, I don't care about the revenue you get if you're ESPN or CBS. But or it's Fox. not about revenue. I'm sorry, it's a, I, I don't is. think it's about revenue. Well, it, no, it is about for them. Yeah, for them it is. That's for why they fans, do the expanded playoff thingy. For fans, it's my team's in a playoff game at home, and I've got a chance to see my team win a national championship. Will they win it? I don't know. That's why they will play the tournament out. But, Chris, we're going to have to agree to disagree that it's just, like, revenue-based. I think fans will get a better experience across the country from a 12-team playoff versus well, a four-teamer. Well, expanded playoffs, uh, nine times out of ten, are about revenue expansion for, for, the, for a lot for those of entities. Pretty much it. 100%. You're right. You don't think uh, it's better for fans, too, though? This one is. Not Depends. every playoff expansion, as we were talking about with the 14-teamer, is good, right? right. Like the, There are limits. There are things that are good for fans and things that I think are not great for fans when it comes to playoff expansion every single time it happens. Have playing so in an NFL Dome. The, the powers that be are doing it. And that's the, the part I don't like. Right. Playing in an NFL Dome and having these neutral site things. That's why I like the 12-teamer, because they had it. We, we accepted the bowl games were going to be part of it, but largely there were some good things that they were doing, and now I don't know the direction they're going to take this 14-team convoluted mess. All right, well, we, we'll maybe get more of a chance to talk about that, but uh, we got to get to this break here. 875-KTGR, you can call or text us with your thoughts on playoff expansion, what you think should or shouldn't happen down the road, and about these rule changes that are coming. Two-minute warning in college football. Looks like next year it's going to come. But up next... What were the Cardinals doing playing golf today? We'll talk about it next. You're listening to the Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. Man, good playoff discussion here, guys. This is, uh, that, that continued throughout the commercial break, by the way. Chris is not happy about even letting 12 teams in to the college football playoff. It's not that I'm upset that they're letting 12 teams in. I'm just like, if we're really thinking about it from like a competitive perspective, you could probably cut it off at like Which, six. Which, again, you're right. Like, yes, there are he's only right. there are usually only a handful of teams that are capable of winning the national championship every single year. That's just how and especially is. when you make the the field larger, it even makes it harder for the teams at the top because they have to play extra games in order to win a national championship every year. So, I mean, yes, the the basis of your argument has some weight. The problem, though, is that, again, you're, you're talking about a playoff system where out of 130 possible teams, you're only letting four in. That proportion just is not right. And, again, as much as it, it sounds nice and flowery to say only the six or so teams are capable on a given year, Missouri was ranked outside of that. Ohio State was ranked like right on the border of that. And as Chris mentioned during the break, as we kept talking about it, 
that would have been a fun playoff game. Or Mizzou taking on Oregon, who on a given couple of games could just be the most explosive offense in the country. Like there are if you play Oregon, Cody Michigan, Bucky. Oh my, if you play Oregon, Michigan a hundred times, sometimes Oregon might hang it on Michigan. Like that could have happened, and Oregon wasn't one of the top six teams or whatever by the time it was all said and done. So I think it's probably 12 is a good number to where like the 12th team is Liberty or SMU. They're not going to win the championship, but good to have that G5 representation. And then you're talking about, you know, the, the second or third best team in the SEC or Big Ten that are mixing in in that 8, 9, 10, 11 range. That's kind of a good number to me. Adding to it, I don't think 13 and 14. Like last year, did Ole Miss necessarily, like, do we need to feel super bad if Oklahoma doesn't? Like, I think 12 is a good number, and I'm just bitter that they're going to try and ruin it before we ever get to see it play out. 875-KTGR, give us a call or a text uh, here on the big show. Tim texting in on on the playoff. I agree it's about fan experience, not just revenue. Last season, for example, Mizzou played a skeleton of a team because Ohio State didn't really care about the bowl. There were several bowls that were yeah. like that. Uh, they didn't Georgia, have a quarterback. Georgia a FSU team. was very boring. I'm that happy defense that, was crazy. I'm happy that we won, but from a fan perspective, I would have rather been in a playoff where we at least had some percentage of a chance to win a national title, even if that meant... You lost the playoff game. So, look, you're right. This iteration of playoff expansion, I think, helps fans. I My argument is not every one of them does. Every playoff expansion known to man in sports helps the the leagues as far as revenue. The like, decisions are made. The decisions are made based on revenue. Because of money, yeah. That's why the decision... But and whether it also, helps fans or not, great. But this one does help. Right. Fans. My argument is to yeah, you're gonna you're gonna expand because of money. Filter though the fan experience within those decisions would be nice. I wouldn't be complaining, but I yeah. feel like in this case it's just a power struggle to see what the SEC and Big Ten can gain in terms of an advantage over the lesser conferences and how much those lesser conferences can get in writing that they get to retain. Um, before further attrition to those leagues takes place. All right, well, we'll keep getting your thoughts in at 875-KTGR on playoff expansion here on the Big Show with Andy Brennan and producer Chris. Cardinals uh, played golf today. Oh, yeah. I mean, is it already is it already October 15th? Whoa! Whoa! Andy. Whoa! That's crazy. The Who Cardinals didn't Who even make it that? that far last year. So Who said that? <laughs> They would love to be playing till October 15th. Show yourself. October, wow. Yeah, no kidding. No, you're right. Yeah. It, I was just, you know, just said, oh, it's already mid-October. That was oh, good. Well, no, that was funny. Like that. that was uh, good. All right. Well, uh, it seemed that Mark Matt that Carpenter's normal. team won. Whoever was on his I, team is. I think yeah, so. Yeah, Either that or he was like the godfather of the contest. And did, I don't really understand. We didn't get like a full breakdown and I. You know, there are the other things to attend like to. Like I have no yeah, idea. But just... what I did take away is Carpenter, you know, good golf swing, right-handed swing. Uh, Nolan Gorman, good golf swing, right-handed swing. Thomas Sejaci looked pretty good. I would say for Jordan Walker, I, if he told me that was the first time he had ever picked up a club, I would have believed him. Um, I, he's better with a baseball bat, I think. Yeah, and. Yeah. and Play baseball for long enough, right? He was a rookie last year, so I imagine Jordan Walker will get invited on some of those outings um, and and be just fine. He's also super tall, though, so maybe they didn't have clubs that you know were really suited to him, and maybe that was part of the issue. Uh, I think they used some of John Mosellock's clubs, which are apparently inscribed 
It's got it's got Mo written on the on the blade of a couple of those things. Of so do. he he was out there. He said he and Daniel Descalso kind of went out in the morning and and tested it out to make because it's always so windy and they wanted to make sure that like the clubs they were using weren't going to you know sail the ball over the the center field wall like they I think they were using some pretty pretty you know low distance wedges and yeah. stuff like that. But but it was fun. They had like a closest to the pin. Contests. We we kind of see one of these sort of team buildery kind of deals every year, and they came up with kind of a, doing a golf thing. Carpenter was out there in the visor and the polo, tucked into his baseball pants, um, taking it you know taking it serious. Evidently, he suggested something else besides doing like a golf event that Ollie Marmel said would have been too aggressive, and I we didn't get it out of him exactly what that would have been. But they settled on doing a, a nice little golf thing. It sounds like the pitchers are going to still have their chance coming up, and then maybe they'll pit the best position player group against the best pitcher group. Because you know how it always goes. The pitchers think they're the best athletes on the field, and in golf that might be the case because these guys only pit, you know, they get the they play once. Right, yeah. you know, starting pitcher plays once every five days, right? right? So there's a lot of time to work on the golf game compared to the position well, players. Well, and it's also they don't have to swing like a baseball bat a lot of the right. time. And so they can, the muscle memory is a lot easier to get down when you're a pitcher when you're swinging a golf club and you don't have to adjust your mechanics based off of how you swing a baseball bat. Yeah, and I think part of that might be why you see guys like Gorman and Matt Carpenter golf right-handed. But the other thing is I think a lot of them will do whatever they whatever hand they throw with in most cases most yeah, cases that would make sense. So yeah. yeah, for pitchers that don't have to bat in baseball, it, there's no kind of muscle memory issues with that. Um, but I know it was kind of fun, kind of cool to see something different. They have to do stuff like this to break up like the monotony of spring training because it does kind of last a while. I've only been here close to three weeks and I'm going home this weekend and I am I'm ready to be gone, right? And I'm not even playing. I'm just here working but hanging out, right? Like I'm, not, I'm not doing what they're doing. So I can imagine that as the manager, as the coaching staff, you want to kind of find some things that you can do to to keep it light for the guys. And they, they, they all play golf anyway, so I think that was a pretty good way to do it this year. So uh, we got a chance to see the Cardinals play some golf today, and uh, they play baseball every so often. It's nice to break it up. 875-KTGR. You want to call or text us here. All right, uh, we'll get uh, another chance for you to win some Como Man uh, uh, tickets at 520, and we'll also give uh, producer Chris's moment of the week at 525. But up next, under the bus, I really, people still believe this? There's an NFL combine participant that has, uh, we had our solar system takes earlier last week. These solar system takes are very bad. That's next. You're listening to the Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. It's time to go under the bus on the Big Show. Well, if you enjoyed our solar system hot takes from last week, well, get ready for, for these terrible takes because there's somebody in the NFL Combine that doesn't believe the solar system exists at all. Like, the what? Go on. The solar system. That, it's not real. It's a myth. It's, it's Did you say, pull this person from the 1200s? Space isn't real. Texas Tech's Tyler Owens uh, is saying that he was a favorite to post the fastest 40 at this year's NFL Combine. I don't know if he actually did or not. I don't know if he ran today, maybe tomorrow. But uh says he doesn't believe in space, says he doesn't believe that there are other planets doesn't out there. believe in space. And 
feels that the flat earth theories actually have some valid points. Uh, no. No. So here's like the flat earth part is not even relative to all the other stuff you just said. I don't even know. I didn't even know that was a thing out there that people go, you know, the whole space thing. I just don't think it's out there. I just don't think it exists. Well, but think about it. Why would space exist if the earth was flat, right? I suppose so. Dyson Sphere. This is just ridiculous. Ask him about Dyson Spears. Maybe he believes That's in that. That's next level no, stupidity. I'm not even gonna, not even gonna entertain it. Like I'm just gonna honk the horn on it because under the bus. We don't need more Kyrie Irvings in in professional sports. Chief, like don't like draft like this guy. Don't draft this guy, Chief. Don't do it. It's it's just for the greater uh, good. We don't need people <laughs> like this. Don't worry about space. Educating kids. Worry about that yard line. Don't need that. Worry about moving the sticks. Don't, he didn't come to. He did not come to play school. That is very, <laughs> that is, uh, 100%. very, very uh, valid points there. Much more valid than his theory. Texas Tech guns up, books down. Under the bus to the Fanatics CEO as well. Why? What would he do? Uh, well, he was speaking at the uh, at a conference. Oh, it was the MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference in Massachusetts happening this weekend. Fanatics CEO Michael Rubin. Of course, Fanatics taking a lot of heat because of the MLB uniforms. I loved Evan Trellich's first line of his story here talking about this for the Athletic. On Friday, Fanatics offered a different kind of transparency. Because <laughs> those good. pants are very see-through. And uh, Michael good. Rubin responded to that today saying, quote, we've purely been doing exactly as we're told. Come we've been on. told we're done everything exactly right, and we're getting the bleep kicked out of ourselves every day right now. Come on, guys. That's not fun. Normally, when I get beat up, it's because I actually did something wrong. End quote. Whoa! Wait a minute. He's basically <laughs> passing the so buck to Nike. He's, say, no. he's saying that yes. oh, Nike gave us these layouts. We these just made them. We, just we didn't made design them. them. We didn't ask questions. How awesome is it, though, when a guy says, normally when I get beat up, this is why. Wow. Like, I know he's probably talking about, like, in the media, not, like, physically beaten up. But it, I'll believe in it, both. It, I'll believe in both is basically what yeah. I'm trying to say here. Oh, my goodness. This is just a complete mess all around. The, le- the Players Association is trying to get the pants changed, and it's just terrible. They're the same pants. That's what MLB keeps selling us. No, these yeah, are right. they, the pants have always been this way. Right, exactly. You've always like been able to use the exact same baseballs for 50 uh-huh. years, right? You've no. always been able to see players, you know, <laughs> areas Nothing through their to pants. See here. Yeah. No, don't Come look. On, uh, Nothing to see here. Actually, there's everything to see here. Under the bus. That's the problem. And you know, like the idea that, look, I'm not saying Nike is without flaw, but the idea that it would never be fanatics that's the problem. They've also taken over like tops and trading cards and stuff like that, which is just a, another example of how consistently they get things wrong and stuff is produced wrong and get the wrong autographs on the cards, you know, just all kinds of stuff. I'm going to go ahead and believe that fanatics is, is at the center of all of this because everywhere they go, something's going wrong. It's time for the sweetest thing in sports on the big show. Sweetest thing is with our friends at the Candy Factory. Any day is a great day to get delicious handmade chocolates and candies. From the Candy Factory in downtown Columbia, online at the thecandyfactoryonline.com. Well, uh, it's always sweet to hear the story of Cody Schrader, and he got to share it at the NFL Combine earlier today when he got to talk to the media. 
and uh, kind of just laid it out for, for folks. Like, yeah, I was pretty much eighth on the depth chart when I got here as a basically a preferred walk-on from Truman State. And all he did was just, you know, wake up at 5 a.m., made sure that he that he parked in a spot to where the strength coach would know that he's there, that his car was in the parking lot that early in the morning, knew that the strength coach was one of the first guys to meet with drink every day. And that's that was kind of his end. Make sure his name was out there and just put in the work. It's excellent and it's always great to hear his story. Man, and he it's good to hear that he had, you know, strategy and, and knew that he had a purpose for what he was attempting to do. And boy did he ever do it. It was fantastic at Missouri. I don't know. I think tomorrow is when he does some of his activities there at the Combine so. Andy. Yeah. I you know, I hope he shows well. I know that even if he doesn't, he's certainly capable of doing some great things in the NFL. Uh, Certainly, I think if you interview him, if you're an NFL team that interviews him out there this week, you're probably going to come away impressed by the kid. Uh, I'm just really excited about him and and what all the Mizzou guys are doing out there right now. Yeah, for sure. So uh, we'll we'll get to some more of that, of course, later on uh, today and uh, through this weekend. Uh, There is... uh, a bittersweet, not not sweet at all. Um, uh, unfortunately, a Mizzou legend uh, from back in the day passed away today. Andy Russell, who was uh, part of the Pittsburgh Steelers steel curtain in the seventies, won a couple of Super Bowls with them. Uh, was was a legend throughout his time in the NFL, and uh, also here at Mizzou, a St. Louis native as well. Uh, unfortunately, uh, passed away yesterday at the age of eighty-two. Uh, Andy Russell, who was uh, you know part of the all-time team for the Pittsburgh Steelers, he was uh, first-team All-Pro, second uh, or second-team All-Pro three different times. He was in the Pro Bowl seven times. He's part of Pittsburgh's Pro Football Hall of Fame. I'm a little surprised he's not part of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but um, but Andy Russell uh, certainly was was a legend and, and kind of started the St. Louis movement to Mizzou a little bit under Dan Devine, and that kind of got things started there as well. Uh, our thoughts going out to uh, the family of Andy Russell uh, passing away yesterday at the age of, of 82 as well. So uh, getting to some of that, uh, some of the stuff around the NFL Combine, and really the talk is around the quarterbacks, of course, Caleb Williams or Jaden Daniels. Brendan seems to think Jaden Daniels is the smart choice. Well, we'll get to that discussion coming up next. We'll give away Como Man Show tickets at 520. Be listening for your chance to win those. Producer Chris's moment of the week at 525. Then we'll finish out, as always, on Friday with our picks of the week at 545. All next, you're on The Big Show.